welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Bibles to two different places. We're going to be in the book of 1 John chapter 4. That's where we're going to start. And then we're going to flip over and we're going to look in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This message here is going to conclude our sermon series the past five Sundays on the family. And this is going to be one here about how we are, we're going to see what really God's attribute of love is and how that influences every area of our life. And we're going to be reading that there. But then next Sunday, we will have, um, uh, I'll be preaching on missions because we're going to be talking about getting ready for what we call our Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. We want to be a church that gives to reaching the nations, and it ties in with our Table of Nations dinner uh, next Sunday night. Next Sunday night, we have uh, international food for everybody, so that uh, will be uh, very, uh, very special right there after Thanksgiving. And then, beginning in December, we'll get into our Christmas messages about the birth of Jesus. So those will be our next few Sundays here at church, but we're going to be looking at this passage here, how we are looking at how love is an attribute of God that is so important that we are commanded to actually remain in it. And it's the only attribute that love is actually what carries with us into heaven. And the Bible actually tells us that. That just goes along with us. And unfortunately, a lot of times when we talk about love, it's, it's done in a very conditional way. So for example, if someone is friendly to you, if someone gives you a gift, if someone uh, does something for them, you might say, I love you, or it's just uh, very, uh, what I would call conditional. It's based upon the other person. But what we're going to see here in our Bible is love is actually one that, according to Scripture, should be unconditional. And the word that's going to be used later on when we get to it is called, and it's a popular word, if not the most popular of all the Greek words in the Bible, is agape. And agape means, that is a word for love, that means God's love for people. So it's the way the Lord loves other people, His creation. We are created in the image of God, and God loves us. And ultimately, the most loving thing we can do is, in this, is to tell someone and to teach someone about Jesus Christ. Because if, if you don't show to someone how to be saved, how to be born again... They could live their life here on earth and pass away separated from God and go into hell. People who do not have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will find themselves in hell afterwards. So when God sees the, all the world, He looks at things as this person is saved, meaning they have been born again, they have received Jesus as their Savior, or they are lost they do, not love, they do not know His Son. And agape love is the type of love that both of these people, those who are saved and lost, that God loves and He wants them to know His Son, Jesus. That is God's passionate desire for all of humanity. And we're going to see that right here because a lot of times for us, we're going to see that we find ourselves living in this conditional style love basically how people treat us, how people act towards us, then we love them. Or we show this preferential love 
to certain family members over other people. And true agape love is actually applies to everybody. Now, it's very awkward if you went around telling strangers that you love them. Uh, that is weird, and I wouldn't recommend you do that. But what we do see in our Bible that we can actually show uh, agape love and display it to other folks without having to go up in their face saying, I love you, sir. I love you, ma'am. And that's what we're about to see here in the Bible. So we're in 1 John. We're going to start in this section of 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to share this. I'm going to be telling this in the context of our family. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. So the Bible's teaching us that God... Is this, uh, pre- the previous verses here is teaching us that in order to get saved, you have to know Jesus Christ. And uh, John, who wrote this, is saying, These, we've come to know the love of God for him. And then you look at the latter part of verse 16. This is a profound Bible verse, this one, the short sentence. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. That is an attribute of him. There's nothing unloving about God. That's who he is. It's his being. And what happens, we actually remain in the Lord by loving other people. And by showing that love for other people. Because what we see here in the Bible, the type of love that God wants us to have for others is the same type of love that he has for us. That agape love. It's not based upon anything anyone does. It's overflowing. Because we do not deserve salvation. We didn't earn our salvation to go to heaven. Neither do other people have to earn our love. It's just, it's who God is. Keep going here in your Bible. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. Because as He is, so also are we in this world. Our confidence means when we pass away, we aren't afraid because we know of the love of God. Christ is inside of our hearts. Jesus is the Lord of our life. We're going to heaven. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. It's not, we don't fear the Lord. So what he's saying here is we, when, when you love someone else, you shouldn't have to be worried and fearful all the time. You're not uh, living in this type of, of you give and then they respond. Christ is teaching us that we want to have a type of love that it's unconditional, it's not based. For example, I'll give you an example of what fearful type love is. Sherry's in Georgia. My wife with uh, three out of the four children. One's in the sound booth right now, the other one. So they are back where we used to live, she's visiting some of her friends where she used to work with at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And by the way, if you know anybody with cancer, that is the place to go for cancer treatment. It's called CTCA, Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And she's there, and so she's leaving. And what do I get? A laundry list of things I have to do. I had to paint the deck. I did that yesterday. I have to, we just had our fireplace cleaned out, and I've got to paint the fire. Who paints their fireplace? Don't raise, no, don't raise your hand. I'll paint my fire. They have heat-sensitive paint. You paint your fireplace, had to get a new screen, had to clean the hearth around the fireplace. 
I have this list of all of these things that have to be done by Wednesday. And then what happens is I know she's coming back and bringing these little kitties home for Thanksgiving. And yes, there is some fear. If I were to say, well, I don't want to do this. This isn't fun. I, there could be some consequences to do that. But what happens here, the Bible's telling us we shouldn't live and think that way. Perfect love is not based upon fear. We don't just think, God, what can I do to please you? What can I do to earn your favor? Yes, we have stuff we have to do and expectations in our life and the roles in our family and in our marriages and with your children and children have responsibilities. But our, our love supersedes all of that. It's not driven by punishment or fear. Keep going here in your Bible. It says, so the one who fears is not complete in love. If, you're, if the love and the relationship you have with other people is, is fear versus, versus punishment, that's not a complete love. Because there's going to be days that I don't complete the to-do list. There's going to be times the fireplace isn't painted. And there's going to be times that it's just stuff, the laundry, just stuff doesn't get done. What it needs to get done. Well, you don't, you don't just say, well, because you didn't finish every single task on the to-do list, it's over. I'll never love you again. That's not, that's not how we live. And we don't, we don't live. Now, yes, obviously we have expectations and you want stuff that gets done. But the Bible's teaching us that what is complete love is not based upon anyone else. Keep, look here at your Bible. This is actually why we love other people. Verse 19 explains it. We love because He first loved us. There it is. That is it. That Bible verse sums up what God did. We love other people because we were first loved by God. And because what God did and what He sent and what we just observed with the Lord's Supper, Him, Jesus, dying on a cross, therefore we are commanded to love other people. Now, we talk about this word very loosely. Love. Love in the Bible is teaching us two things. It's unconditional. Meaning it's not based upon anything anyone does. And number two, it's not selfish. Meaning it's not, it's not, it's a giving type of love. It's not what you can get from someone else. Love is what can you give. Someone who's a giver. So, so what happens is, and I want to illustrate this. We're about to have Thanksgiving week this week. And you will see a lot of your family members. Now, I imagine, we don't want to raise our hand, but some of us here probably have family members who, for whatever reason in the past, an incident occurred, somebody owes someone money, someone hurt someone else, someone gossiped or said something ugly to someone. Absolutely, those things do happen. But because of this event that happened years, maybe even decades ago, they refuse to speak to one another. Do you have any family members that way where you've got one uncle who despises some nephew over here and they won't even walk in the same room. In fact, they find out if they're going to their house and, oh, and he's going to be there, well, she's not going to come. I mean, that is literally how it is for some of our families. There is that much tension among these uh, family gatherings. And the Bible's telling us here, that is not, that is not, 
what love is. You can't say you love your family when you won't even speak to them. When there is uh, unresolved issues. When you can't even apologize. You can't be in their presence. God is calling us to a higher standard as believers than that. Look what it goes on to say here. And, he, and, and John here is going to illustrate this. He says in verse 20, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. That means you cannot go around saying, I come to church, we have a wonderful time of worship up here on stage, raise your hands, I love the Lord, and then you go home and you despise your brother or sister. They stole your, they pulled an Esau, they stole your inheritance. Or they pulled a Jacob and stole Esau's inheritance. They uh, let you down. They lied to you. They disappointed you. And you just, you cannot let go. The Bible teaches us. You, you don't love the Lord if you do that. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. How can we sit here and say we love the Lord whom we've never seen, yet we hate our brother? God says it's not possible. You're lying to yourself and you're lost if you act that way. He says you're spiritually lost. A lot of times people with an unloving attitude, that's actually a spiritual condition that is causing that. It's not anything else. They are, have been harboring resentment and hatred so long. And I want to tell you something. A lot of us here are news people. Y'all, that means you watch the news. And if you, you have to be careful watching the news. Because there's 24-hour news everywhere you turn. It's on every TV channel. It's on the radio. And what happens, the way they hook you on the news, is you watch the news. And half the stuff is just ridiculous. I mean, it's stuff that doesn't whatsoever pertain to you. I mean... What am I going to do if something happens in Oregon? I mean, how? And you, we get stirred up and you get angry and you get upset with what you see on TV and go, I can't believe this is happening to our nation. This is wrong. We need to go and vote for different people. I need to go campaign. I mean, just you find yourself getting so upset about this stuff when literally you have no control over what happened. All we can do for some stuff is pray and vote. That is all we can do. Pray and vote. We trust the Lord with the rest. But what's happening is, stuff happens on the news. And it gets you so riled up and angry about it, it spills over into other areas of your life. And your attitude will, instead of having a loving attitude towards people whom you should be loving, you don't. You have this this attitude of anger. And it's, it's always there. Because something else is stirring it up in your life and it's spilling over into your family. And, you're, and the Bible's teaching us how on earth can you love the Lord and you have that type of agape love, yet you are so angry and you, ha- you have so much hatred towards other people. The Bible says it's not possible. Do you know when Jesus sees people, He sees people, people who are spiritually lost, He sees them and He wants them saved. 
He doesn't look at them and say, well, I wish they voted this way, or I wish they, uh, they were this nationality, or I wish they supported democracy like American values are. That's not what he's thinking. He sees someone who's lost, someone who needs to repent and turn to Jesus. That's what he looks at. Look at this last verse here. Verse 21. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. That is a command. Jesus told us on the Sermon on the Mount, when we bring our offering to the Lord, He doesn't want you to put your money in the offering plate if you have unforgiveness towards your brother or a family member or your children. He says you first go and be reconciled with that person and then you come back to church. Because what happens, how can you come to church and tell, tell the Lord that you love Him and should tell everybody, including the Jesus, that He's number one in your life, yet there are people who are hurting because of your actions this past week. Some of the best thing we do is actually just go and extend forgiveness and go ask for forgiveness to other people who we've hurt. And now remember, when you ask for forgiveness, that doesn't mean you can control how they're going to respond. They might not want to talk to you. They might not forgive you. But all you can do is say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? What I did was wrong. You have to at least try, the Bible says. The Bible's telling us that if you want to love God, it absolutely is a must that you love fellow people, your brother and sister. And he's talking about this in your family. There should be no place for hatred among family members. But I want to tell you, it is rampant. In fact, I know in our church here, something's going on. It's sad. We have people suing one another, and they're related. They're going to court because they can't settle stuff. That is the type of stuff that the devil gets a foothold in family's life. And, you know, everything's always about money. It's always what it comes down to. And once that foothold gets in there, the the bitterness... The unforgiveness, the resentment, it just grows and grows and grows. And the Bible's teaching us, you can't. You can't have a love for God if you hate your family. Now flip over here in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This here, I even think at my wedding, they read this Bible verse, the preacher did. But this really is not a wedding Bible verse. This, this section here, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is the love chapter. And... We look at these 13 verses, and it's actually going to teach us about more so the doctrine of God, not about uh, having a lovey-dovey marriage with that, because it's one that is teaching us uh, how we in Christ should be treating other people. But what's about this is, the chapter preceding this was actually about, about spiritual gifts, and Paul wrote this, and he listed out all the different spiritual gifts and how some spiritual gifts were greater than others. But then he's going to say there's actually a better way than having great spiritual gifts because it's possible. You could have the most gifted person in the world. You could have someone with all the special gifts, but if they have no love, no passion for the Lord in their heart, they, they've missed it. They've totally missed what's most important. And he's going to give three different examples of that. So you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. The Bible says, If I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong 
or a clanging cymbal. Paul just said, he says, you know what? He just spoke about speaking in tongues. Have you ever been to a church? I've spoken in tongues. I've been, I think, three times in my life, I've been in church services that they speak in tongues. And what it's, what it's like is you hear a bunch, somebody talking in gibberish and you're going and thinking, what are they saying? And if there's no interpretation, you have no idea. And you walk away and go, what was that? Paul is saying here, you can, you can speak in tongues, human tongues, or speak in the, angel, uh, the uh, language of angels, but if you do not love your brother, if you don't have a, a, a love for your fellow man, it is pointless. What good is speaking in tongues? You go to church and you praise the Lord in a foreign language, or whatever, you're gibberish, and then you go hate everybody. Like, what have you accomplished, Paul's saying? So that's his first example. He says it's like, it's like a, band, a bad band member just doesn't, can't keep a tune. He goes on to say in verse 2, I have the gift of prophecy. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have all the faith, and so I can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. He just said there, if you have the gift of preaching, what good is it a preacher? He could be the best preacher in the world. Knows the Bible, great illustration, ends on time, most importantly. But then if the guy's a jerk, and he treats people like garbage, and he has no compassion, doesn't he want to speak to you? All he wants is your money and your listening ears. You're thinking, well, what is this guy? Who is he? It doesn't matter how good of a Bible teacher he is. He doesn't love other people. Paul's saying here, that's his second example. Even if the man moved a mountain, that mountain over there, to, over there, he says, doesn't matter how great his faith is, he doesn't love one another. Now he gives away, now here's the third example he's talking about. Verse 3, And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul says, even if you are a generous person, the most generous person in the world, all you do is just hand out $100 bills everywhere you go. And people love you. And by the way, if you give away $100 bills, you have lots of friends. People just follow behind you, just receiving them. And he says, you can do that all the days of your life and be Mr. Generosity and have no love and you are lost. Lost is what Paul's saying. He says, you are nothing. You gain nothing. That's not salvation. So now he's going to present what he calls what agape love looks like for us in believers. And what all this ties around to is it ties around to being not selfish. It's, it's instead of receiving what you can get out of it and making it based upon other people's conditions, you're selflessly, so even when you are hurt, even when your children steal from you, even when you are disappointed and you're lied to and cheated on, you still have an overwhelming love to other people when you're still the victim. You go, why is that, Pastor? Because that is how Jesus loves you and I. He is our example for love. When He went and died on that cross right there, He didn't think, well, she didn't quite make, make the standard, make the cut. It was an unconditional love based upon nothing. And we are to have the same for others. Here it is. Here's the verses here. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not irritable. And it does not keep a record of wrongs. It says ear is not irritable. This week on Wednesday when Sherry gets home, we hop in the car. I will drive to Ohio 
And my in-laws have, they foster children. They have seven children. You add on our child. It's like we have, thir- there'll be 13 children in the house, in this little house where I'm going to be at. I will be there over Thanksgiving, and it would be very easy to get irritable. So I have to have an attitude as, you know what, I'm here to serve. Even though if I had to choose all the places on earth that would be, it would probably not be sleeping on the floor here in Newark, Ohio. And sometimes we are placed in positions in our life that we just have to accept, you know what, I'm going to wake up early in the morning and cook 45 biscuits. And then we're going to make some uh, eggs. And then I'm going to vacuum. And then I'm going to take children for a walk at the playground. All that. I mean, it's just going to be a child care taking care of two and three year olds. Even though you and I might not choose that for our Thanksgiving, the Bible is saying we do this because we love one another. And it would be easy to complain, to be irritable. That's why I do that today. I hope they don't listen to this message. But the Bible's saying here, for us, for Christians, if we are going to be irritable, no one needs to know about it. You want to disguise your feelings saying, you know what, I personally might not know this, but I wouldn't want to be doing this. But because I love you, I'm going to do it. That's what the Bible's teaching us here that we're to have this type of attitude. It does not keep a record of wrongs. When you and I forgive someone, say you ha- you, someone has hurt you, and you made a long list of all the things they did wrong, you take that, when you forgive them, you take that and you go toss it in my new fireplace I'm going to paint this week. And you, that way it's gone. You don't remember it. You don't re- pull it back out of the fire and try to put it back in. Say, well, you did this. Forgiveness means it's over. I have forgiven, I have forgot, we've moved on. Now, when things happen, yes, there's consequences, trust needs to be restored, but you don't bring that stuff up over and over and over again. There's no record of wrong. Only the police keep records of wrongs. Keep going here. It says here, Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, this is a key, I think this is a key verse in this entire passage. This illustration right here, what Paul's about to say. This is your takeaway. When I was a child, these are people down in children's church right now. They're in room C1. This is how they're acting. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man or a woman, I put aside childish things. Paul's saying, when you're a child, yes, you're going to act like a child. You're going to do unloving things. You're going to be selfish. That's what children are. But you grow up in Christ, and that is not who you are anymore. When you become an adult, when you become a believer in Christ, you become a teenager and you take responsibility, all of a sudden, you want to start saying, I'm not going to act childish. It is childish to be irritable. It is childish to be selfish. It's childish not to forgive. Who, when you refuse to forgive, who are you actually hurting? You're not hurting another person. You're hurting yourself. These, all these attributes, these things here, 
that Paul just listed out. He says, if you fail to do these things, if you're just holding grudges and acting ridiculous, you're acting like a child. And you're actually hurting your own personal spiritual life. Part of Christian maturity is just growing up. Realize, I'm not going to act that way. I'm going to be a man or a woman of responsibility. And that's just sometimes doing things you don't want to do. It's loving people who are hard to love. It's having compassion to people who are hard. But that's what Jesus Christ did to us. We're hard to love. He had to die on a cross for us. He resurrected. Therefore, you, you move on in life is what he's saying. You grow up. And verse 12 sums this up. Last verse we're going to read here. Last two verses. For now, we only see a reflection in a mirror. But then face to face... Paul's saying, we only see a picture of what love is like now because we live in this sinful, fallen world. But when we get to heaven, we will experience, when we see Christ, and the Bible teaches we are going to see Him face to face, you will see perfect love. And who will you be looking at? Jesus. He's the one. He's the one that we see. And it goes on to say in last verse, For now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known there are some things we will not know until we get to heaven there are some things we will not understand until we get to heaven and we have to accept that says God I have no idea why this happened I can't explain it I don't I don't have a clue all I do is Lord I trust and I love you and because of my love for you it overflows into love for other people including your family verse 13 Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So what is love? Agape love, the type of of love that we are to have for other people, is unconditional. It's not based upon anything they do. And not only that, it's not selfish. It's giving. It's It's not what you want. It's not what pleases you. It's what's best for someone else. And I want to say in closing, this week, many of us are going to see our family members. And some of us have family members who do not know Jesus. They are spiritually lost. They're not in church this Sunday. They are in rebellion. They are trapped in sin. They're living immoral lives. And do you know the most loving thing you and I can do this week to those family members is actually take them aside. You don't want to ever embarrass somebody. You take them aside or Pray say, Lord, allow a private, somewhat private conversation where I can speak to this person about their relationship with God. You talk to them, saying, you know, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, whoever, grandson. You know, I've been worried about your spiritual life. I want you to consider getting saved. You need to turn to Jesus. You, that is the most loving thing you and I can do to our families this Thanksgiving. You 101, when everybody's had turkey and they're in one room and watching Detroit Lions and Dallas Cowboys play football, you take them into another room and you talk to them about their relationship with God. That is what love is. That's what Jesus Christ wants. His desire is for our family members to turn, to repent of their sin, and to turn to Jesus and get saved. And a lot of that is basically is how we treat other people if we make fools of ourselves and we are arrogant and we are childish and we're wondering why don't people want to get saved why don't they ever take my invites up for coming to church or whatever they look at you and think this guy acts like a child he's the most selfish man in the world 
She's ridiculous. Why would I want what she has? We love others ultimately to love them to Jesus. I want to invite Beecher and our band to come forward at this time. We're going to have our invitation. Bible teaches us that we are to love God. And your first step in doing that is giving your life to Jesus. We're here. We've had a lot of decisions. God's doing great things. and We're going to have a baptism service here um, in January. We were hoping to have it in December, but it didn't work out with people's schedule. So our next baptism service is going to be in January. If you've never received believer's baptism, you walk this aisle. I'll be standing out front with Zach Bauer and maybe some of our other deacons. And you come take one of our hands and say, I want to get baptized. Or maybe you, you're ready to join Broadway Baptist Church. This needs to be your church home. Broadway is a Bible-believing church that you can raise your family, that they come here and they learn about the Lord and they know the Lord, most importantly. So we're going to stand together. Beecher is going to lead us in our song. Now is our time we respond to God, what He's done in our life.